All right, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game, hour number three here on a Tuesday. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise. Casey Alexander, head coach at Belmont, will join us coming up at 8.30 this morning. Stick to sports at 8.45. But let me ask you guys this question. I was thinking about this last night. Ryan Tannehill, Kyle Turris. Predators, Kyle Turris, eight games down, 74 to go, about a tenth of the way through the season. Ryan Tannehill, one start down, potentially nine more to go. So he's about 10% of the way through his 2019 season. Both look really good. Ryan Tannehill, quarterback rating of 120 on Sunday. Kyle Turris, looking like a resurgence, looking like a $6 million player. If I told you right now you had to wager or you had to buy one of these two as a stock Hmm. for season-long success, who are you more confident in? What do your eyes tell you? Do you believe Turris and what he has done is more legit? Or do you believe in Tannehill more? So I am a big believer in past indicators are, are the most accurate indicators of future predictions, right? So if you are a 25-point-a-game jump shooter and you shoot 50% from behind the arc, which is ridiculously good, you're probably, gonna be, you're probably a good jump shooter, right? The, the past is the best indicator of the future, of, 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 of predicting behavior. Kyle Turris, I would go with Kyle Turris for a couple of reasons. One reason, his career was far better before arriving in Nashville than Ryan Tannehill's was. If Ryan Tannehill played the way he did on Sunday for the Dolphins, he would still be a Dolphin right now. Like, that's, like Miami's paying $5 million of his salary to not play for them. They made that decision. It's not ripping on Ryan Tannehill. It's just kind of a fact. Also, I think Kyle Turris is surrounded by a far better collection of players. So if we're taking that into account, I think you know if you're surrounded by one of the best offenses in the NHL, you have a better level of chance of success than if you're surrounded by one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Uh, so, so I know that's not really about the two players. That's more about their supporting cast. Hey, your surroundings matter. But your yeah. surroundings matter. I, I think Turris's career his first six or seven years was far better relative to his position than Ryan Tannehill's career was. I'll go with what they have been in the past as the best indicator of what they will be in the future. Doesn't mean it's going to be true, but that's what I would do. Um, it's hard because, um, I mean, on one hand, on one hand, yes, you're absolutely right, Brayden. Um, your past, you know, if there's some consistency in your past, more than likely it's going to continue in the future. And now they're under certain, it could have been under a certain circumstance where, sure. you know, you got out of sure. circumstance and things change. Oh, Systems change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you're right from that standpoint. But then I see it like this, and this is the only way I think I will pick Turris, is because Ryan has more opportunity to, to, to fail. Than that's a, that's a good point. Does. Yeah. Um, and then the surroundings. Um, Are you suggesting quarterback in the NFL is a harder position to play than fourth line center? Yeah, pretty much. So. Okay, uh, kind of sort of. Right. Um, but you know, Ryan has the ball. He's going to have the ball every offensive play. He's going to have the ball in his hand, um, unless they go in the wildcat. But he's going to have the ball in his hand. Um, that's not the case with Kyle Turris. Um, so Kyle Turris has fewer opportunities to to do something bad, but then he has fewer opportunities to do something right. But I'm just, you know, if you're talk, if you're saying, well, who, who, what trend can you think will continue? 
I think based upon, you know, how the two games are played, you know, I think Ryan has a Ryan uh, Tannehill, his opportunity to mess up is far greater than what Kyle Turris is. Does, does this equation change, though, based on salaries? Because with salary comes expectation. They Kyle Turris. The same amount, basically. Well, yeah, but the Titans are paying a third well, yeah, of, of that. Yeah. Well, no, even, 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 let's just say it's $7 million, which is what he's, Ryan Tannehill's do. $7 million for a quarterback in the NFL is like a third of the going rate. Yeah. $6 million for a center in the NHL is near. Near the, the top. top third, uh-huh. so like you, you relative to, you have to sort of take it relative to their competition, and so so Tannehill is extraordinarily cheap. The the risk on that's and again, this is why they went and got him was because the risk on him is very low. Mm-hmm. There's there's very little risk. He's you know that was the whole point of bringing him in. He's a similar skill set to Marcus, and he's been a starter, and the risk is very low. And oh by the way, the Miami Dolphins are going to pay for more than half the salary. So the, the the move was oh we all agreed that the move was a great move for the Titans. Mm-hmm. The, the move to sign Turris is viewed very differently. The six-year, six-million-dollar-a-year contract is sort of viewed as the thing hanging around his neck right and now. Like it's, it's very more different. So it's, it's, it's guarantee money in hockey, yeah. so the expectation is higher. Um, I, did you say, for, for you, who would it be? It's Turris. It's Turris? Yeah, it's Turris. I mean, i, I got to agree with you. Track record speaks. I mean, when Kyle Turris was clicking on all cylinders when he first got here two and a half years ago, and obviously he's fallen off, but I don't think Ryan Tannehill at his best at any point in his career would be close to Turris at his peak of his career. Well, yeah, based upon salary, Turris is one of the highest paid uh, guys at his position. Now, when Ryan got his contract from Miami, he was one of the highest paid quarterbacks at his position. But then that quickly changed, um, and, and it changes every year. Um, but now you look at it and you say, well, you know, this is how they view Ryan Tannehill. Uh, this is the money they're giving him. Um, you know, value versus, you know, production versus, versus value or value um, over production. However, they, they, they say it based upon your salary and then your production, um, you know, Ryan, his because he's playing quarterback, because of the numbers at that position, his 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 pay and his play, um, he would he would he would outplay if he continues to play the way he he is, mm-hmm. he would outplay his pay. Well, and also Whereas Kyle Turris is it, it, right. he continues he he's right on par. Well, and he's had success on the fourth line Saturday. He had success on the second line. You talk about your surroundings. A lot of one of the big narratives with Kyle Turris is he's always had good chemistry with Craig Smith, and you put him on a line with good line mates, his production goes up. Well, that's the same thing with Tannehill. If yeah. Tannehill's got a good offensive line, like if Ryan Tannehill's only going to get sacked two times a game, as opposed to Marcus getting sacked eight times a game, who's going to have success? <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. Right. right. Well, no, listen, you're right. And look, look I, again, I think some of it's the competition. The Chargers were missing three defensive linemen, three starting defensive linemen, and so the offensive line played much better protecting their quarterback. They still allowed two sacks, <laughs> so so much better. But but there was far more time for Tannehill to throw than we had seen in any of the previous six games for the Titans. I mean, like, all the talk about Marcus holding onto the ball so long and having 2.7 seconds to throw or whatever, Tannehill had far longer to throw th- than Marcus ever had at any point, other than the Atlanta game, which, of course, is when the offense played its best, right? It's shocking how that works. When you play against bad defense and your offensive line plays well, you have your most success. It's shocking how that works. I, listen, again, this is a very simple point for me. If Ryan Tannehill was capable of what he did on Sunday over the course of a seven-year career in Miami, he would not be in Tennessee right now. That, that's it, plain and simple. Just like Marcus. If Marcus 
could do what he did in year two and three every single time out there, he'd be the Titans' starting quarterback for the next 10 years. But he's probably not going to be because he didn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's T- Turris is fascinating. Like, we're just all <laughs> – he is one of the most interesting commodities to ever play in a Predators uniform because of how talented he was previously, his track record before, and then just how bad it got last year. To be a healthy scratch as one of the highest paid forwards on the team is a very unusual situation. And to his credit, he's playing better hockey this year. And and frankly, he fits in better with an offense where he doesn't have to be the second line center. He can be the third line center or the fourth line center. Like when when you take when you go Duchesne and jo- Johansson down the middle, you're you're not asking him to carry as much burden. Whereas with Tannehill, you're asking him to basically do everything. 615-737-1025 if you want to jump in on the conversation. 737-1025, we'll talk some hoops. Casey Alexander from Belmont is going to join us coming up at 8.30. And then we have Stick to Sports at 8.45. We're back after this on Morning Drive. Men, check it out. I've been telling you this for a while, okay? I know you're listening. Um, and it's showing. I know the people, I know you guys are running to Cool Springs MD and you're running to your computers and, and, and you're grabbing your cell phones and you're calling that number. So you're listening to me because here's the deal. More men have started to seek help for hormone deficiencies and imbalances. Okay. Dr. Jeffrey Lodge and his wife Daphne, along with their experienced staff, give men the treatment required to improve their quality of life. And yes, men, we need a better quality of life. Cool Springs MD services have already helped many men of the Brentwood, Nashville, Franklin, and the surrounding areas in Tennessee with improving their immune system, energy level, cognitive functions, and more. And I will continue to tell you guys, I've experienced it firsthand. You know, I was feeling lethargic, tired, and then I thought it was because I was working out and everything else. But no, man, when we get older, you know, things, our levels start to drop a little bit, okay? So then we need to go seek professional help, and that's what I did. And when I walked out of that building a few days later, week later, man, I felt great. And you can feel great, too, because then this is what they do. They will connect you with the medical care you require to have a healthier and enriched life. And there's no better time to achieve a healthier lifestyle than now. Men, what are you waiting on? Okay, give Cool Springs MD a call today to make an appointment. Here's the number. Write it down. Grab a pencil, pen, whatever you have in front of you, your cell phone, whatever. Remember this number, 615-486-3458, 615-486-3458, or visit the website. This is completely easy. Check this out, coolspringsmd.com. It is morning drive, 818 here on a Tuesday. Casey Alexander from Belmont will join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, one thing we can get to, because we discussed the Monday Night Football debacle to start the show for the first five, six minutes. Jets crushed by the Patriots, 33 nothing. And on Saturday, uh, Washington and Oregon had a Pac-12 showdown featuring Justin oh, Herbert and Jacob Eason. What a great game mm-hmm. that was. And I tweeted out, and I was just, you know, in, in passing as I was flipping through all the games in the 3 o'clock window, I said, hey, Titans fans, you might want to watch Washington and Oregon. You never know, Jacob Eason, Jake, uh, Jacob Eason or Justin Herbert could be a future Titan quarterback. You know, not that I really truly believe that'll happen, but you know, and, things well, happen. And, and the Titans organization has a great track record with both Washington and Oregon first round draft picks. Exactly. And see, this is exactly what yeah. people said to me on Twitter, and they go, mm. I don't know, Jake Locker, Marcus Mariota, I don't know if I want to go down that road. And I replied to somebody and I said, Well, you know, the Jets took Mark Sanchez, and I know he went to two AFC title games, but the bottom line is Sanchez was not a good NFL quarterback. 
Do you think that factored into the equation, hey, we should draft Sam Darnold? No, 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 Bill, Bill. Don't take Sam Darnold. Mark Sanchez was a failure. My point being, you can't let past failures at a position from a certain school alter your 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 train of thought i, I completely agree um you have to make the best decision for your franchise like like for example if tennessee were looking for a head football coach this year tennessee volunteers and luke fickle was a candidate you shouldn't not hire luke fickle if you think he's the best coach for the job because he coached at the same school as butch jones butch jones right like you that that can't be a part of the equation because they're not related now what what could be related it's not in this case with justin herbert because it's a totally different coaching staff is if it was the same coaching staff yeah right if it's the same coaching staff and the same scheme that's pro- that's producing these same players and unfortunately with justin herbert he has the same resume as marcus uh, an injury prone quarterback with a little bit of dual threat ability who's running in this spread system like it's the same sort of bullet point list of things that you were concerned about with marcus right he had the knee injury in college spread system check with me offense at the line of scrimmage not under center it's all the same concerns so i think that's fair but to suggest that you shouldn't take justin herbert if you think he's the best quarterback in the draft just because he went to oregon is one of the dumbest things you could possibly do no you're right um yes they haven't had success with you know if you want to say just drafting one guy now they've drafted two or three within the franchise two or three guys from Oregon at quarterback and it hadn't worked out or two or three guys from Washington at quarterback and it hadn't worked out. Okay, I can see With that. With the same coach. Yeah, I staff. can see the, you know, the organization still being kind of leery. Uh, maybe we not go down that road if there's another guy that is close. Like Alabama um, cornerbacks. If, if I had drafted like two or three Alabama cornerbacks, mm-hmm. D. Milliner, Drake Kirkpatrick, all these guys that didn't work out because mm-hmm. they're not really getting – they're, they're, they're not developed at Alabama. It's like the one position, ironically, that Nick Saban actually coaches. And, and, and you know, cornerbacks at Alabama have not worked out in the NFL. You know who does? Linebackers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, it, like, I would then be weary of drafting an Alabama corner in the first round, maybe. Is that, does that make sense? Like, the, he's had a lot of busts in the first round at that one position. Should you be concerned about it? Maybe. Yeah, but teams still draft his, cor- his corners. Um, safety's a different story. Yeah. I like their safety. Uh, but, I mean, listen, you can't. If you if you're the Titans and you're looking at that situation, um, it's you know it does this guy fit what we want as a quarterback? Can he do X, Y, and Z the way we need him to do it? Okay, if he can, then okay. It's just like any other quarterback, whether I draft him for Washington or you know Wasamazoo, whatever. If that's even a school, um, I, love, I want a scholarship. If it is, you'll have it in your picks exactly. on Friday for Absolutely. the overrunners. Um, <laughs> you draft him, and I think it's the same way here. I mean. But I you do know, think whether it's Herbert from Tua, th- there is something to the like. I'll get. I'll point out Cody Kessler from USC, uh, Matt Barkley. Those it, guys are almost the same player. If you are like a, a a weaker armed quarterback, and I'm an NFL franchise in Pittsburgh or Cleveland or Cincinnati, where the elements and the wind and the yeah. cold. Like then, all of a sudden, okay, it makes sense. Like, but just to blanket summarize, USC yeah. quarterback bad. I don't think you can do that. Yeah, I, I agree because Carson Palmer was the start of the whole Pete Carroll quarterback run, won the Heisman in '02, and completely changed the Bengals franchise around almost immediately until a knee injury in the first playoff game sort of derailed and changed his career. Still had a pretty good career for Arizona mm-hmm. and for, for Oakland. Um, so he started it all, but after that, it was Matt Leiner next bust mm-hmm. you know then it was i think john david booty and then uh, it was mark sanchez and then uh, it was pat barkley then it was cody kessler uh, and, uh, and sam uh, darnold is clearly the most talented of all of them so he gets drafted and, and we'll find out what his career looks like i'm a believer in him i don't believe in adam Gase. i think the jets aren't helping him at all but 
we'll see how that turns out. I, I, it's it to me, it's about the system and the coach. Like the reason Kyler Murray went number one in part was because of Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. The reason Jalen Hurts is going to get a lot of love in the draft process is because of Lincoln Riley and because of the system. So it works both ways, right? It, it could be a negative or a positive, and um, I. You know, Ohio State quarterbacks have not worked out, mm-hmm. just in general. Like, we'll find out about Dwayne Haskins, but Ohio State quarterbacks have not largely not been elite-level guys but at I, the NFL. But I think people trust Lincoln Riley. I mean, he had right. Baker Mayfield. He had Kyler Murray. Now he has Jalen Hurts. Technically, he had um, Kyle Allen, too, yeah, right? Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So he's had all these quarterbacks that now has had, with the exception of Hurts because he's still in college, but has had or is having some success in the NFL. Um, so you're more inclined as a GM to look at. That's why I think that the whole Hurts conversation is going to be intriguing because people are going to look at Lincoln Riley and they're going to say, you know what? I believe in what Lincoln Riley's doing. I will draft Hurts in the first round because they believe that he's this quarterback whisperer and he's got him, you know, to a point where his, his skills are developed and some of those bad habits are gone. And now what we can do is kind of just, you know, fine-tune it a little bit more in the NFL. But he's just – he's ready because what, what have we seen from Lincoln Riley? You know, that he produces quarterbacks. You know, whether it be him the offensive coordinator or not a head coach, he has produced quarterbacks. So you're more inclined as a GM to say, you know what, I trust what he's doing at Oklahoma. I, I think it's a fan thing, to be honest with you. I think mm-hmm. fans – they, the fans look at Washington and Oregon, for example, and they say, all right, who's been the best quarterback from either of those two teams drafted in the last, whatever, 30 years? Mm-hmm. And, and you look at, like, you know, Rick Meyer, even back to the early um, – uh, no, he was who, – who's, who was the, the – Joey Harrington? Joey, Joey Harrington's Oregon. Achille, uh, Achilles Smith's Achilles out of Oregon. Oregon. Who, who was the other – was it Bledsoe at Washington State that was with Rick Meyer in the draft? Are those the two guys? Maybe it's maybe, maybe I'm thinking Bledsoe then. The quarterback from, um, from Washington. Meyer went to Notre Dame. Did about Brock Heard? Yeah, maybe Brock, Brock Heard, Heard yeah. yeah. And, like, you know, Cody Pickett, I think, was, yeah. was, was there a good for, pull for, by for Washington. A guy that you know was a big time player. I think took him to the Rose Bowl. I think in Marcus Tuiasosopo. Like, yeah. I, if you look at Jake Locker, obviously is one of yeah. them. I, I'm not a believer in Jacob Eason. I think he has a huge arm. Like he reminds me a lot of Tannehill, actually less athletic, but a little bit of Matt Stafford to his game too. Just a huge rocket arm, but and and big six five six six guy. Like the combine's going to love him. I just don't see it on the field. I, I don't see him now, mentally going he through He folds the, in adversity. I, I just don't see now, him. Now, who was the quarterback when they went to the playoffs? Jake Browning. Jake okay, Browning. that's Browning, a weak yeah. arm. He's, and his, the knock on him was how weak his arm was, and uh-huh. he didn't get he But didn't, he put up a lot of numbers, yeah, big numbers. And, and so, I, listen, what, who, Darren Thomas led Oregon to the national championship game um, d- that year when they played Auburn. You know, you look at all these Jeremiah Masoli and you know, like all these guys. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the other guy? John? Was it Johnson for Oregon? Dennis Dixon. Yeah, Dennis, Dennis Dixon. Dennis Dixon yeah. is the guy who, yeah. who was a who was a. Um, yeah, he was before. He almost won the Heisman. That was like a yeah. seven. We tore his knee up and then buckled again on against Arizona on a Thursday night. God, I'm such a nerd. Um, and and then none of those guys have been any good. Like yeah. nobody from Washington or Oregon has been any good in the NFL. Marcus is actually probably the best quarterback to come out of either one of those two teams yeah, in, right. in 30 years. Yeah. Goodness. So and that that's a fan thing. I don't think GMs look at it that way. I, yeah. I think GMs are like, oh, you played at Delaware? Cool, you can win a Super Bowl, Joe Flacco. Yeah. Like, oh, you played at North Dakota State. Okay, Carson Wentz. Like, I don't think GMs look at it the same way fans do. I think we see that and we see history and track record. 
I think NFL GMs just look at a player. Speaking of track records, Rick Bird had a hell of a track record at Belmont. He's gone, he's retired, and a guy with a pretty good track record at Lipscomb was Casey Alexander. He's the new head coach at Belmont, and he joins us next on Morning Drive. 832, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise with you. Stick to Sports comes your way in less than 15 minutes. OVC Media Day is upon us as we welcome in the new head coach at Belmont, Casey Alexander. Coach, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are y'all? We are doing excellent. Obviously, yet to coach a game at Belmont, but what have you learned so far in the transition, in the process, going from Lipscomb to Belmont in these uh, last few months? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting, and and I have coached games at Belmont. It's just been as an assistant for a long time, so new role for sure. But uh, you know, it, it's been a fun transition. It's been a smooth transition. Um, and uh, but at the same time, it's a job change, and uh, relationships are new, and so we've had to build on those. But it's gone very smoothly. I'm very pleased with where we are and where we're headed. Uh, you can get uh, season tickets, of course, BelmontBruins.com. It's about five dollars per game. It's a great, great spending of uh, of money for for what you're going to get out of the deal. Uh, also, you can meet the Bruins night. Uh, that's October 28th at the Curb Event Center. That's free to the public, of course. You got uh, food, drinks, players. You get to meet all the players uh, and stuff like that. So BelmontBruins.com for season tickets. Coach, you lose a first round pick, uh, uh-huh. and, and Dylan Windler, you're, the coach who's been there for like 120 years, is now gone. Um, you also lose another player who was a, a high-scoring option for you guys. This is going to look like a very different team for the first time in a long time at Belmont. So what can what is going to be the same and what is going to be different now that you're in charge? Right. A lot will be the same. I think the casual observer will have a – my opinion is will have a difficult time noticing the differences. Um, you know, we might play with a little bit faster tempo, but the offense is essentially going to be the same and the style is the same. Uh, you know, and I think those are good things. And, um, you know, we, you, you mentioned, you know, we lose Dylan, we lose Kevin McLean, two really good perimeter players that, that, you know, that were our focal points offensively, really. And so, you know, replacing those guys will be a tall order. Um, but at the same time, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a testament to where this program is, is in the sense that, you know, we feel like we can walk into this season and accomplish some great things, even though we lost, um, players and you know and in my opinion uh best coach that's ever been around now coach you said it was it's this this year under um you know, your first year there as head coach the tempo uh will be a little bit different more up pace um, um tempo for you guys is this the way that you believe especially in ohio valley conference um that that it gives you the best opportunity um, to win, um, speeding it up a lot of three-pointers, but still also playing really good defense. Right. Yeah, well, we do need to be balanced. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. You know, our, our philosophy for playing that way um, is not so much because we're trying to dictate anything. We don't play fast because we're trying to wear the other team down mm-hmm. or use depth or, you know, make them surrender to our style. It's just who we are, you know, and it's, and we recruit to that style. Um, you know, I want our guys to play with a lot of freedom. That's probably one of the biggest differences in myself and Coach Bird. Is I'm I'm a little bit more willing to, you know, to incur some bad decisions or bad shots um, and just kind of live with it, you know, for the greater good. But um, yeah, but it's been a good formula for us. And Belmont's always played fast. Um, you know, it's just um, they just maybe you know 
one little notch difference as far as probably freedom goes um, to play on both ends of the floor. Casey Alexander, head coach at Belmont, joining us here on Morning Drive. You know, Coach, I think from afar over the history and the course of the state of Tennessee, people say, yeah, the state of Tennessee, football state, right? You know, the Titans were good 20 years ago, the Tennessee Volunteers historic program. And then I've been living here in Nashville for just under two years, and you look around and you say, okay, hold on, let me let me reevaluate this. You know, the hockey team is really good. All the college basketball programs are really good. Did you ever picture a, a, a state of basketball in Tennessee where you look at what you've done at Lipscomb and hope to do at Belmont? Uh, obviously, Rick Barnes in Knoxville, Jerry Stackhouse is coming to Vanderbilt, what Penny's doing on the west end of the state. All of a sudden, you look around college basketball-wise, and this state is very intriguing. Yeah, no doubt about it. And um, I, think that's, I think we're all pushing each other to get better. And, uh, you know, last year alone, you look at I me, mean, gosh, Tennessee's ranked number one at one point in time and, you know, had an unbelievable run with that crew, and, and they're going to stay relevant. Um, you know, and then you, you see Belmont and Lipscomb, I think we finished 37th maybe and 39th respectively or, or vice versa, but uh, two top 40 teams, mid-major teams uh, here in Nashville. Uh, and then Memphis is, you know, on the cusp of doing something uh, really good again, and they've had their moments. Uh, Kevin Stallings had unbelievable days at Vanderbilt for a stretch of time. Steve Forbes at East Tennessee State, that program's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chattanooga's been really good over time. So there's a, there's a lot of potential for a lot of teams to do well uh, in this state for people to be excited about basketball. Coach, it seems like um, every March rolls around and we have sort of debates about backcourts and frontcourts, right? Like what, what wins in the tournament? you get, you got to have great – you know, veteran ball handlers that can make right decisions, but you also have to have great, you know, half-court defensive sets and, and rebounding. you got to have all that kind of stuff. You obviously have um, a potential player of the year who is a big man. You also have a great point guard this year, so you sort of have them both, so you don't have to worry about this on your particular team. But w- what is it that wins in March, in your opinion? Is it that great, that truly great backcourt or that truly transcendent frontcourt player? Well, I think it's hard to win in March if you don't have both. Uh, and I would say, I mean, my best answer for what's most important is just experience and winning experience. Uh, and then if, if you've got that, then you can probably overcome some deficiencies a little better. But, um, you know, it's when, when you get in those moments and games are decided, you know, you know, by just, you know, what happens on a few possessions late in the game, uh, you want guys who know what they're supposed to do, can execute those actions, put themselves in position to win. And, you know, when you put all that together, then your performance is probably going to, you know, more likely to be the way that you want it to be. Now, Coach, how do you see the the talent here um, in the state of Tennessee? And I'm just, you know, recency buys, uh, Darius Garland, uh, yeah. Jordan Bone, um, here in the state, these are guys that, 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 that were in the state of Tennessee. How do you see the talent here uh, moving forward in the state of Tennessee? Well, we've got plenty of good players, uh, always have. Uh, you know, you, when you just, you know, hold Memphis as their own entity, and they've mm-hmm. always had some really high-profile, you know, five-star guys. And, uh, and then we've seen more and more in the mid-states, you know, with Brandon Wright and David Harrison and Darius Garland, all of which are from Brentwood Academy, actually. And, mm-hmm. uh and, and then what Jordan Bone has turned himself into and a lot of guys like that. So there's, there are a lot of players. I think, I think for programs like ours who aren't recruiting the four stars and five stars, um, we see the talent level improving. There are a lot, a lot more um, potentials on our recruiting list than, than maybe we would have seen in the past. 
Uh, again, season tickets for Belmont Bruins basketball, belmontbruins.com. Casey Alexander joining us here. And, and you brought in a, a transfer from Boston U, Coach. And I'm just curious. We, we, we get up in arms about transfers in college all the time, and the coaches are all you know, fired up about the portal and everything. But it, it's a far bigger deal in college basketball where people more players are moving you know, based on roster size than, than any other sport. Um, it, it certainly can help and can – provide roster with help it also can help a young man who maybe wants to find more playing time more minutes or a bigger bigger stage for himself sort of what are your thoughts on the trends in the transfer world in basketball yeah i mean that's not something that we're gonna live and die with uh i mean we're gonna i I think you're looking at two different things i mean if you can if you can be selective and really plug in a hole um that you need um by going with a transfer you know i think that's Obviously smart and advantageous, and that's the category that you know, that I would put us in with Tyler Scanlon and the Boston transfer you mentioned. Uh, that's very different than scrambling at the last minute and trying to um, patch up problems and you know put a roster together. And that's that's the scenario more often with transfers, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it can work out both ways, but you know when you're that's a little bit more of a roll of the dice. It's a year to year. Okay, who are we going to have? You know, we're getting into March and April. We're not even sure who's going to be on our roster. Let's see if we can find a transfer. You know, you got to you gotta really cross your fingers to hope that works out continuously. Coach, really good spot this morning. We appreciate the time. Best of luck in your first season at Belmont, and we will certainly get you on every couple of weeks and touch base with you. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you guys. Appreciate Thanks, Coach. You got it. Casey yeah. Alexander, new head coach at Belmont. They, they have preseason player of the year mm-hmm. in, in uh, Musinski there. He's the big man, sophomore, super talented. Shocking, Belmont has a big man who can shoot. Um, they've got a, a really efficient point guard in Grayson Murphy. They're bringing in Scanlon, who's a 1,000-point scorer from Boston U. They're the pick in the OVC to win again. Mm-hmm. Um, Athlon's got them at number one in the OVC. Um, I think the poll comes out here in a few minutes, um, the OVC preseason ranking. So. Mm-hmm. It's time to start dipping the toe a little bit into the college basketball world, and I think people are really excited about basketball in the mid-state area again, or in the state of Tennessee again. Yeah, I mean, and the talent pool, I think, is growing here um, in the state of Tennessee. He talked about, he gave, you know, uh, specific names, um, you know, and then what what they're able to do in Memphis with just talent alone. Um, and what 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 Penny is is doing, Coach Coach Hardaway is doing there. I mean, the talent level, and then Brentwood Academy is just—they're just just like a factory over there, man. Um, they're just producing player after player. Goodness yeah, I'm sure all those kids are zoned for Brentwood Academy. Absolutely. Hey, when you're in a private school, you don't have to be zoned. <laughs> no, I'm, um, I'm aware. Trust me. Yeah, um, but it's just—it's great to see the mid-state, um, well, Tennessee in particular, develop basketball talent because a lot of times you see you know it coming from other areas other states uh, but you never really look at you know the state of Tennessee well you know you had the number what three or four pick in the draft what was Garrison uh Garland did, he was did, he was the number in this year's NBA draft you're from talking from Lipscomb no Darius Garland was oh, Gar- Garland was number four, four, uh, four, four pick in the draft you know a Tennessee kid yeah Dylan uh, Windler went the first round he's yeah. a Belmont grad Garrison Matthews didn't get drafted but I think he I think he stuck Jordan on, Bone, a, second on a roster with the Detroit Pistons. So you're starting Grant, to Grant see Williams him. was the first round exactly. pick. Exactly. So you there was another player on Belmont that ended up playing in the summer league, but ended up going overseas too. So there was just a lot of guys in the summer Is that league. Kevin McLean. Yeah. Yeah. He was a 17. Listen, they had two dudes that were going to light it up last year, and they still have 
They've got a phenomenal big man and a great point guard. And if you can go to battle every night with those two things. A big I'm, man I, that can shoot. I, I'm just curious about March, though, right? Like, and, and not necessarily with Belmont-level teams, but just Tennessee, even Tennessee-level teams. Like, I'm, I'm fascinated by what works. Great front court, great mm-hmm. back court. What, what would you, like, it feels like we debate that every year, and, and there's not really an answer to it. You need great ball handlers, but if you've got a stretch four, stretch four basically is like the, the super quarterback of basketball, right? It's a guy that's unguardable. No doubt about it. You know, I tell you what, you know, you look at the some of the local guys that went to the NBA this year, and you talk about fit, and we're saying your surroundings matter. Does anybody have a better a better surrounding and a better fit than Grant Williams playing for Brad Stevens with the Celtics? Oh, that, that he's going to be in the perfect role. That would require him to play minutes, though. So I, I don't know how many minutes he's going to get. That team is really deep. I don't know how you know wh- what his role is going to be on that team. We had our fantasy draft last week, last night, and he didn't get drafted because. I don't know what he's going to be able yeah. to produce, but to your point, it's a great situation. Um, you know, I, Memphis has got some intriguing pieces. I mean, listen, it's the Western Conference. I get it, but you know, you look at John Morant, you look at Jaron Jackson. They went and got Iguodala. There's some intrigue there. They're, they're, they they may not win a lot of games, but they they will be fun to watch. And it's in part because like I can't wait to see John Morant play in the NBA. He's a great player. Coming up great, next, great player. Player. it is time for another edition of the world famous Stick to Sports. It is your prerogative to listen to Morning Drive. We can't force you, although we do encourage you. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10. Yeah. As we question the answers, we answer the questions. We're fixing all that's broken in if Nashville is, Morning Radio. If it ain't broken, we're still... No, we're always going to try to fix try it. Try to fix it. Because we're yeah, perfectionists. We're going to tweak it. Tweak it a little we're bit. We're obsessed with our craft. Yeah. Exactly. Especially obsessed. on the socials. Exactly. Really obsessed. We're like the barber at the barbershop. We're going to stay on the edge, you know, tapering your hair for about 45 minutes to make sure it's perfect. By the way, I, to, to the layman, is that a fade? No, nah, it's just a taper. A taper, yeah, a fade a taper same thing. Yeah. A taper is more like yeah. towards like the top of yeah. your ears and yeah. a little shaded. It's so, yeah, no, it's not. Fair. It's not an actual fade. Yeah, I got a barbershop fair. story for you guys, too. Oh, really? Oh, Let's wow. go. <laughs> give that to you a little later if you guys are good boys and girls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's stick to sports. That was weird. The world is a crazy place. Oh, crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, <laughs> you're just going to crumple it up and throw it in the trash. Basically. And stick to sports. Now, on Morning Drive. All right, Mace. You know the drill. Stick to sports is brought to you by Decorated Den Interior. Stick with the pros at Decorated Den when you're ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces. Request a complimentary appointment, at which is complimentary. We all know it's free. At DecoratedIn.com. Number one. All right, fellas. Today is Mike Leach Tuesday. Mm. Once again, <laughs> Mike Leach has a business idea for you guys. Now, now, I wonder if you guys are buying this. Now, I know you guys see on the sidelines of football games where coaches kind of have the, their playbooks kind of covering their mouths in order for people to not see what they're calling. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike Leach has a solution and a business model for that, and here is his solution. I'd invent this, but instead of like a Zorro mask that covers your eyes, we're going to just have one that covers the mouth, you see. And we could sell it to football coaches everywhere. You could have a deal where it kind of attaches on your ears, you know, kind of like eyeglasses, and hangs like right here like a veil. Not as exotic. We'd make it a little more studly and masculine. And it hangs like a veil because we don't want him to look like a belly dancer per se. But it looks like a veil. It hangs right here. 
And so then they don't have to constantly hold up their script. And then on that rare occasion, they forget to hold up their script. Oh, my gosh, I forgot to hold up my script. They know everything we're going to do. And, um, but we'll just have that veil right there, you see. And well, then you can talk to your heart's content. And then we could literally put these lip readers out of business, you see. Yeah, we need to get on the, let's, we got, what, two days to get one of those veils. And, um, and we could logo them up a little bit, you know. Uh, even something like favorite cartoon characters. We could even draw a mouth on there. We could, and I'll tell you this, those that are kind of into fashion, we could have a flesh-colored veil that, you know, has lips and teeth on it, but they just don't really move, you know. That's what I say. I think that'd be a brilliant idea. He is the gift that keeps on giving. God, I love that man. Love is that he not man. a gem? So didn't he? Oh, man. Didn't he have a huge dust up with? Was it Todd Graham, the former coach at Arizona State, where they got into a huge ordeal about stealing signs oh, on the sideline a couple of years ago in the Pac-12? There was a really controversial like, and I think it was Leach who like was furious with Todd Graham for stealing his signs or whatever. Which to which I would say, hide your signs better. Maybe wear the veil, coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, he's just. He he is a an absolute gem. It's like stealing stealing signs in baseball. Like I, I don't understand why people get bent out of shape over if it. If you're tipping your pitches, it's your fault. Yeah. Hey man, he's just you gotta love him, man. Yeah, he went through this whole like it was like he went like he went home and he was sitting at his desk and it just came to him and he wrote all this stuff down and then he started drawing it. And then he came back the next day at the press conference and said, hey, listen, this is what I got. That would be normal human behavior. Man. What you just described, uh-huh. all of that was off the top of his head. <laughs> That's what makes him so crazy. Well, those Arizona State Sun Devils, those, oh, mystical, those mythical creatures, not really sure what kind of powers they have. I mean, does the Ute have a bow and arrow, or did he trade it in for a rifle? I don't know if I want to mess with a tree. I mean, unless there's a bird in it, it might peck your eyes out. It's complete stream of consciousness. He has no clue. Like, he's so smart that he's already one sentence ahead of himself. Oh my like goodness. when he's talking, he's already thinking like two sentences further. You think he talks in his sleep? Yeah, and he's a snorer too. Yeah. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt he snores. You know he walks to his office from his house. It's like a five mile walk. In, I believe it in Pullman, Washington. Yeah, it's freezing. He's like, I, I like walking to my office in the snow, and we're like, what? Oh my goodness! So he, so he can literally look at his grandkids and go, I walk to my office in the snow uphill both ways. Is there any doubt that if true. you if you were a football beat writer? And you got the chance to work and cover Washington State for whatever paper or website. Would you not just take it just simply for the joy of covering this total if, nut job? If it was, I mean, the problem with Pullman, Washington, is that you have to go to Moscow, Idaho to party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there you go. Like Pullman is one of the. It's beautiful up there, but it is one of the smallest, most boring places. It's Starkville of of the Pac-12. Okay. There's not a lot there. So if if you're telling me I have to, if I'm young and I'm 25 maybe and I'm single, no family, no kids, then I can live in Pullman and, and cover Mike Leach, then yeah. But right now, no, nah, I need things to do. <laughs> Number two. Pullman's pretty boring. All right. So a Tennessee man, 40-year-old man, was arrested. He goes by the name of Tupac Shakur. There's a man named Tupac Shakur. Tupac. You know, I always knew he, was, I knew he wasn't dead. Well, yeah. now I'm, I'm going to try to pull up a picture of this guy because guys are not going to believe this is definitely not Tupac. This is a white male, 40 years old, by the name of Tupac Shakur that was arrested yesterday in well, Tennessee. Well, Did he change yeah, his name? Was he, was he born that way? Because then it's yeah. not his fault. Well, no, because he's 40. Tupac was 25 yeah, when right. he died. So he Tupac would have been 49. 
He had to have changed his name. He changed his name to Tupac. Yeah. Well, the, is there a chance that another human might have been named Tupac Shakur? No. No chance. Because there, no, are, there are no, double no, names. There are is, people that have the same name. Not a white man from Johnson City, Tennessee. No. Is the last name spelled the same? Yes. Everything. I mean, what are the odds that the Vanderbilt head football coach is also the same name of the best receiver in the city's I, NFL? Can, I can go with that. But do you see what I'm but saying? Like, it's, still pretty, it's still pretty rare that like That's the greatest receiver in the NFL franchise's history of this city is also the name of the head coach of the Vanderbilt program. That's pretty odd. But right? is it a parenting violation? Like, let's say your last name was Rice, mm-hmm. and you had a boy tomorrow, and you named him Jerry. Yeah, that's not fair. Is that a violation? I don't think it's fair nah, to the kid. I mean, it, okay, it all <laughs> depends on, like, if you were a sport fan. and If you had no idea knew, there was ever Jerry Rice. If you knew who Jerry Rice was, and you, but if you didn't know who Jerry Rice was, and you right. just named your kid Jerry, for, for one, if you're naming your kid Jerry these nowadays, no. No, don't name your oh, kid yeah? Jerry. Yeah. So just don't name your daughter like uh, Ger- girls, girls. I think girls can probably get away what with about a Jerry. Gertrude or Bertha? Guys, no. Yeah, no. Uh-uh, definitely uh, not. I don't think Gertrude is very no. popular right now. No. no. Sorry, no. girl, the Gertrudes yeah. that are listening right now. Sorry, um, people, if you've named your kid Jerry. I don't have now. a problem with Jerry. I do much. have a problem with Jerry. Jerry to me just seems like a grown <laughs> baby. Like that's my baby. That's my baby Jerry. I'm like, damn. Well, how old is he? It's <laughs> like, is that like being Tommy instead of Thomas exactly. or Tom? Like when you when you when you're Tommy, you have to be at least you, you can't be older than like 19. Exactly. It's like no, I don't want to see. I don't want to see a baby named Jerry. Like to, like Tommy Stevens at Mississippi State. Yeah, it's just just no. go with Thomas. Yeah, Thomas. I don't want to see a Tommy. Jerry. I don't want to see a baby named Jerry. I don't want to see a baby named Richard either. Like, that's my baby Richard. No, I don't want to see that. Yeah, baby, baby Dick. <laughs> Just go with Dick, yeah. Just go Just go with Dick. <laughs> don't be such a Richard. <laughs> Fat guy in a little coat. Richard. <laughs> Who's your favorite Yankee? <laughs> Did you eat paint chips as a kid? No, why? Clearly you did. Son of a... Keep going. I could recite the whole Tommy one. Keep going. That's all I got right now. I love it when he's sitting in the dinghy and there's no wind and he's praying. (laughs) Dad. Use a little help here, Dad. Use a little help here, Dad. How about when the girl snaps on the boat and she yells at the kids, (laughs) I know where you live. Oh, that's epic. That's epic. Is D-Mass okay? okay. I don't know. He's little. Here we he's go to just, break. <laughs> he's all Richard out. Little dairy over there. Yeah. You're, you're, you're just a nut. I am. That's what I've been sent here to do. No, I no, am no. on a mission. No, he's a Richard. It's the difference. Oh, my goodness. There's a difference. All right. Oh, all right. Let's all fan off a little bit here. Chris Mason in the final hour. The big finish at 9.45. Nick, Braden, D-Mace, Marquise, and Richard. We're back after this here on ESPN 1025 again.